This is the Let's Talk Tribe Weekly Prospect Chat, recorded on July 6, 2017. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and joining me as always is Let's Go Tribe Lead Prospect Writer, uh, the main the main guy, I don't know anybody who follows prospects, quite like Brian Hemminger, whose name, by the way, I finally pronounced right. I have in my notes here, it's pronounced Hemingway. I've known Brian for a while, and I've always pronounced his name wrong, but I got it right today. So, Brian, what are we going to talk about? All right. We're going to be talking a lot, a lot. We had a lot go on in the past month since we've really had a, another ep- another episode. We've had the, the MLB draft. We've had promotions. We've had rehabs. We've had fighter uh, prospects retiring. We've had a lot of prospects debut, and we've had all the lower levels start. So there's been basically three new teams that have been playing basically since we've had uh, an episode. So ton going on, ton to catch you guys up with, and I'm sure you're all really excited to find out about what's next, especially as the, the trade deadline nears and could be getting some uh, trade chips too. It's always kind of a shock writing the uh, the reviews, the recaps every day. Up till now, it's just kind of, you have, you know, the AAA, AA, single A, and then maybe somebody has an off day or something, but now it's like, there's short A, there's low A, there's the AZL, there's the DSL. There's two DSL teams now, because the Indians and Brewers are combining, but Mm-hmm. It's a lot going on. It's fun to follow all this stuff at once and have your own little niche of the baseball world to follow, I think. So the- yeah, and last yeah, last year I didn't really even follow the DSL that hard. And but this year there's actually a lot of top prospects in our both DSL teams. So I'm like really having to pay attention to those too, because there's kids that we signed for decent contracts and they're debuting and 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 you have to pay attention just to see how how they'll compete because there's a lot of good players in our system that we signed internationally. Yeah, you know, that's a good, we'll just start with that. Actually, we have a question on Facebook from Matt mm-hmm. McPhee. He wanted to know, it looks like we had a few solid signings on the international side. Do you think our Latin heavy lineup and recent success gives us a leg up in the market? And also kind of related uh, at real Mason S on Twitter. He wants to know how about the kids Cleveland just signed internationally last week. I know info is scarce and they will be in the Dominican for at least a year. So this is something you wrote about. Um, about yes. the international signing, the Indians got a couple top international prospects. So, do you want to talk about them? Just overall, the the kind of talent coming into the DSL for the Indians. Yeah, Indians had um, some really, really top uh, prospects that they signed most recently. But the way that works is it's for the next season. Like basically, they get a head start to sign them when they're 16 years old, and then they get to debut the next season. So they won't be able to play uh, right away. Uh, I think there's just some rules about, you know, underage kids. You don't want them starting as a professional that that quickly, I guess. So they'll be in their own traveling leagues and stuff, doing their own thing. But uh, the Indians did a really good job this year. Uh, the way it works is they change the rules on international signings. You, every team basically gets the same bonus pool, except some teams that are in the competitive balance sections like the Indians, where you get, uh, if you have a smaller market, you just automatically get a a bonus pick. If you're, if you ended up with a competitive balance pick in round one, you get a little bit less for the international pool. The Indians had a competitive balance pick in round two, so they ended up getting the max amount to spend internationally this year. So and they 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 made sure to put it to good use because they ended up signing uh, two prospects, a shortstop and an outfielder, that were top twenty internationally out of all the sixteen year olds available uh, from Baseball America. So 
I think they did a really good job. But again, you're not going to see these guys for a long time because like two years ago or three years ago, they signed Oscar Gonzalez as a 16-year-old. And he's just now in Mahoning Valley starting to look good. So it takes a long time. Uh, that Like they are not aggressive with these young kids because they're so raw. So, but I mean, there's a lot of diamonds in the rough. Look at Francisco Mejia. He's our top prospect and he was an, an international signee out of the Dominican Republic. Now, was he a, a top prospect internationally or what he's uh, completely out of nowhere? Well, I, I think he became a top prospect when they converted him to a catcher because he wasn't mm. a catcher at all. He had no catching experience whatsoever. He just had a really, really good hit tool, and he was a switch hitter, and he had a cannon arm. So they converted him to catcher, and once he actually became – showed signs of being a really good catcher, that's when he took off as a prospect. So there's all kinds of little things that could affect uh, – uh, the player's development. I mean, just look at, yeah, with what happened with Mejia. He went from good hit tool, don't really know what to do with him, to best catcher in all of minor league baseball. So let's move on to other other kids in the, the system. You'll see them a little bit sooner. It's still, I mean, this is baseball, so it won't be a while, but the draft just happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, it was already so long ago. <laughs> you did so much work for that. You did the leading up I to did. it during the day. It was a lot of great coverage for it. And Thank you, because some of that stuff, like doing the picks during the day, it's like when you're in pick 300 of not your team, it's not very exciting. But we had it all covered. Covering so every single, yeah. single pick on day one was, was a little hectic, too. And it is nice because there's, there's a lot of people. Let's go try. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not the Indians didn't even have a pick till 64, so I just had to sit there and go like, oh, here's the 63rd guy the Indians aren't going to be able to get this year. Here's who the Rays <laughs> drafted. Are you excited, people? <laughs> so yeah, who the Indians get? Um, I know one guy was a speedster they got. I think that was mm-hmm. was that their first overall or second overall one. Yes, of the two, but the first pick the Indians made this year was Quentin Holmes. He's uh, an outfielder, basically a prototypical leadoff hitter. He was the fastest kid in the entire draft. Already gave him an eighty uh, grade speed, and that's the highest grade they are allowed to give. <laughs> that's the same grade I think they gave uh, Gabriel Mejia, the the center fielder in the Indian system, and. Uh, Holmes signed this past week and he debuted this week and in his first game he went one for four with a double second game he went two for five with two doubles and also that first game he stole a base so he's looking good already obviously really small sample size but uh, this kid has a ton of talent he's 17 years old and he's in the the Arizona League right now the rookie league which is the second lowest level in all of uh, the Indian system but uh Definitely a kid to keep an eye on. High contact rate, great speed, good defense, a lot of a lot of good tools that the Indians like. Uh, so who was their? Uh, so they they had sixty four. Uh, who was their next pick? They took a while, Tyler Freeman, a shortstop out of high school. Is another high school shortstop that uh, uh, a lot of people didn't think that they were going to to sign him because uh, a lot of people thought that maybe he was going to be uh, going to college. But, I mean, he they, they signed him for the, the slot value, and then he debuted this past uh, week, and I think he had a, a three-hit game. I mean, he is, he's batting over 500 through, like, his first three games. It helps when his team scores, I think, 12 and 11 runs back-to-back. <laughs> but uh, he's, he's looked really sharp. I think uh, Freeman and Holmes definitely are some very talented young youngsters. He's also 17 years old. He's a shortstop. So uh, another really good, talented young player to, to keep an eye on moving forward. 
the Indians are really loading up on youth. That seemed like the focus with their first few picks. They took Holmes, a 17-year-old, like, burner. They took Freeman, a 17-year-old shortstop. And then they took, in the third round, Jonathan Rodriguez, the youngest player in the entire draft. Uh, basically, a, a switch-hitting 17-year-old outfielder with a cannon arm that was very projectable. He's six foot three out of the, the Carlos Beltran Baseball Academy in Puerto Rico. So those were their, their first three picks, and they were all high schoolers or all 17-year-olds. And then after that, they, they had a, a much more focus on uh, college players, although they did end up uh, picking and signing some more high schoolers in the, the later rounds, which was surprising. Yeah, and is there anybody else like in those later rounds or anything that, that sticks out to you as someone who could either kind of just show up later as a big prospect or just an interesting pick that the Indians had? Well, one that I've heard really good things about was uh, Joshua Roulette. I, I don't think he's debuted yet, but he was their pick in the 39th round, okay? He was a college sophomore that was draft eligible. Usually you have to be a junior. I think he might have been a redshirt sophomore, and the Indians were able to take him. Uh He's a left-handed hitting catcher, and uh, I, from what I've heard, he is, like, they said that he had a potential to be a top three-round pick next year, as long as he improved on some of the, some deficiency that's, that he had this year, like maybe his batting average wasn't so good, but that's somebody to really keep an eye on. That's a, that was a big surprise signing. Most Almost everybody assumed that he was not getting drafted and, and that he was going to return for his junior season. Um, some other people, I, I'm going to base these off of just early performances, but uh, I've really liked uh, Chandler Ferguson, a high school pitcher that the Indians signed uh, in the 25th round. He seems like uh, he's got a good head on his shoulders and he could be really, really good uh, young pitcher. I like uh, Michael Cooper, a high school first baseman that signed in the 33rd round. Uh, in his first game, he hit a home run, so... Uh, just a, a good young uh, first baseman prospect. So uh, you, you always want to kind of see how these high school players do because the college ones, they can they can trick you because they're, they're so used to facing really good competition. And if they debut in like the Arizona League, that's like a huge step down for them. And they could put up insane numbers and then fall off as, as the competition like gets back to what they're used to. So kind of jumping to, I guess, last year's picks. I can't, I couldn't find, I was looking for who asked it, but you already started answering on Twitter. Somebody asked if they're worried about Will Benson because he's off to a slow mm -hmm. start this year. Um, are you worried about him at all, really? I think he's still in the AZL. I, can't, I don't remember. If he uh, no, he's again, in Mahoning Valley. In Mahoning uh, Valley so right he now. was in the AZL last year. He had six home runs, showed a really good power, decent patience at the plate, but he struck out a lot, had a pretty low batting average. And this year he's doing pretty much the same thing. He hit a home run the other day, so that was his first one of the year. Uh, he's striking out a lot. He's batting a little over 200, but he's showcasing good power. Um, I'm not worried about him whatsoever. I mean, this is a kid that's 18 years old in the Mahoning Valley League, which is uh, short season baseball. Uh, there is so much more uh, room for growth with him. And I mean, he's like, what, six foot six or something. And uh, just it's all projection with him. It's all about uh, that the coach is working with him, developing him, getting that swing shortened a little bit. And and as he fills out, I mean, he's still so young. Uh, there's absolutely zero reason to panic about a, a player like that. So uh, I think he'll be completely fine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember those exact things where 
were said when he was drafted is that it's all about projection. It's just he has the build mm-hmm. of somebody who could be a great outfielder someday. Um, just based on, I guess, build and outfield ability. Some people are saying like a Jason Hayward comp, but that also wasn't perfect, but it's just saying that. It made sense. I mean, same yeah. height. Uh, both came kid. from Atlanta area. So, yeah. yeah. So, any other thoughts on the draft before we move on to basically what is my question for the podcast? <laughs> okay. A uh, couple other quick things. I really liked uh, some of the young uh, college pitchers that they were able to get, like Eli Morgan. Um, he had the best changeup in the entire draft, and he's, they picked him in the eighth round he signed. Um, and who else did I really, really like? Um I think it was Nick Gallagher um, out of the University of Iowa. But, I mean, there have been several pitchers that have debuted in Mahoning Valley, and they have just been striking every person out that they've been facing. I'll have a little bit more information on that as uh, we get further into the season since they're still just two weeks into the the season with uh, the short A season. But it seems like the college pitchers that they drafted are just blowing people away right now, which I've really been impressed with. So I guess I'll I'll be patient and wait for my question because uh, we got another one on the Facebook live feed. Um, Nick Azernia, he wants to know what's Yu Chang Chang's role going to be in the future. Um, of course, he's a shortstop, which mm-hmm. in the Indian system doesn't make a whole yeah, lot of sense. Tough. He's kind of struggled this year, and but he's had a well, lot of good projections. I think. It's it's strange. He's having a really weird season. He's leading all Indians prospects at any level in extra base hits. He's smashing doubles, triples, and home runs. He's got like eighteen home runs, and but his batting average has been terrible. His strikeouts are up. His walks are down. Um, it seems like he's just swinging really hard and uh, trying to just make big things happen every time he's up at the plate, maybe trying too hard. But, I mean, when he does hit it, I mean, he is hitting it hard. So that's that's things that, like, scouts and everybody really love. Um, Position-wise, I mean, he's making good plays at shortstop. I just posted a, a recap, like, a day or two ago that he made an incredible sliding play to his right and then threw out a runner at first base. So his, his defense has gotten better every year. So he could stick at shortstop, but again, we've got Francisco Lindor and uh, people always said, you know, he'll just could potentially just move over to third base because he's got, you know, the frame to play third base, but now we've got Jose Ramirez. (laughs) So uh, I think as he gets closer and closer to being major league ready, I think he definitely becomes a valuable trade chip more than anything. So assuming the Indians understand they can just move Ramirez to second base um, mm-hmm. and like they could get a third baseman through the system. Is, is Chang kind of the, the leader there? There was kind of this article that the ringer wrote where um, they wrote about Jose Ramirez. How's he a utility player, quote unquote. And he, uh, I think it was Michael Ballman, who's a great writer, but he just sort of said the Indians next best third baseman is Nolan Jones, which kind of seems like he just went and picked, um, just well, a random top prospect, which is what Matt Schlichting said in his post. But Yeah. Well, know. Jones is a really good uh, – he's our highest-rated third-base prospect uh, because he was our second-round pick last year. He was actually h- rated higher pre-draft than Will Benson. Um, and Jones has looked great. He he hit his first home run of his career earlier this year. Um, he's, he showed even more patience at the plate than than Will Benson. He's, he's uh, had batting a little bit higher in the batting order with Mahoning Valley. But – really really far away i mean he's i think just turned 19 so um yeah he's a really good prospect he might be our next ranked third baseman but 
uh, in terms of people that can play third base, you got to put like Yandy Diaz as uh, the guy that would give more competition to Yu Cheng Chang. Um, and, and having seen Yandy play at third base, I think he does a pretty good job. So if there was ever a time that you wanted to move Ramirez over to second, then it'd probably be for Yandy, not for Yu Cheng Chang. Yeah, at least not for a couple of years. Yeah, especially with the, the experience Yandy has there. Yeah. Yeah, because I think... Yeah, he was the third baseman coming up all the way, right? And then he got shifted to outfield a little bit. Uh, Well, Yandy was like, in Cuba, he was like a shortstop and a second baseman. And then now they're trying to play him at third and then the corner outfield positions just to give him some flexibility. So uh, just because they they want him to play, they want that bat uh, in play, but uh, they just don't really have a great spot for him right now because uh, the positions that he's best at, you know, we have our best player at. Yeah, for sure. And I guess, yeah, you can say that Ramirez is the best player right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question, basically for you, Brad, I brought it up as a topic, but, you know, it, it's my question for you when I saw this. So when I do the the recaps, every once in a while, like a player just comes out of nowhere and I realize he's doing super good. And to this, this today, in fact, it was Mitch Longo. Um, he's in single A. He's an outfielder. He's slashing 392, 418, 608 right now, which is 185 WRC plus, which is insane. Um, he was a 16th round pick last season or, or 14th round pick, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fifth 14. So who is this kid? And is there any reason to really, okay. really be excited for him? He is 22 in single ace. So maybe he's just older than his competition. I don't know, but what do you know about Mitch Longo? Okay. Mitch Longo. He was an outfield prospect drafted. He, he did well last year as well. He debuted. He went yeah. straight to Mahoning Valley. Um, the reason that he has such an insanely high batting average right now is because it's on a, a bit of a small sample size. He missed, a significant amount of the season to begin the year with injuries. And then he debuted, started tearing the cover off the ball, went right back on the disabled list. I think he also had a broken hamate bone. Uh, That's what caused him to miss the beginning of the year. Um, Just the same thing that uh, Greg Allen is going through right now. And, uh, but Longo, I mean, he's, he's really started to just start blasting the ball. His uh, teammate, uh, Gavin Collins, who was also drafted last year, was recently promoted to Lynchburg. And if Longo keeps this up, he's going to get promoted to Lynchburg too. Uh, when you are a, an advanced college bat uh, and you're hitting like that, um, you're you're going to force the, the, other, the Indians' hand because they have so many good young players that they're looking to, to move through the system. They can't afford to leave these guys at a low level. they got to keep challenging them. So... Uh, but yeah, this past week, Longo will actually be a nomination for my player of the week. Uh, over the past uh, seven games, he went eight for 19, batted 421, hit two home runs in one game, scored six runs, stole three bases. I mean, this kid looks uh, pretty darn good. Um, he kind of reminds me of uh, how Andrew Kalika had that breakout season last year, and then Kalika has been uh, really struggled with injuries and strikeouts and everything at when they aggressively promoted into Lynchburg this year to start the season. So uh, Longo's kind of having that delayed Kalika takeoff this year. Is that a, is that a thing now? A Kalika takeoff? Is that a thing? <laughs> well, Kalika <laughs> had one of the best seasons I've ever seen uh, yeah. for a player that had just been drafted last year. Yeah, and like you said with Longo, it's a, it's a small sample size, 14 games. It's just neat to see that yeah. he had hit in everything but two of those games, and six of those are multi-hit games. That is like... That's Jose Ramirez good for the first mm-hmm. Yeah, for the they can't keep his bat out of the lineup at this point. I mean, yeah. he is the most electric offensive player for Lake County, in a, even though he hasn't played a lot for him. 
Yeah, and I, I imagine he's going to be part of your player of the week also, but his teammate, Manuel Tapia, also had two, mm-hmm. two home runs last night, so that was neat. Four home runs between two players for the count. Yeah, the Tapia Cowboys. now is uh, 20 home runs on the season. That's leading all Indians players at every level, including the actual Indians. <laughs> yeah, and like so. Chang, he has a really low batting average and on base percentage, mm-hmm. so... Just kind of yeah, he doesn't he doesn't walk a lot. He strikes out a lot, but this guy can hit dingers. Um, I mean, he's he's leading the Midwest League by six right now. That's crazy. Yeah, in home runs. So you mentioned uh, the broken handmate bone that Mitch Longo had, and you mentioned that Greg Allen also has that. So have you heard anything about his uh, his coming back? I know Allen was really a prospect. A lot of people are excited about just because he's such an mm-hmm. exciting outfielder. I mean, th- this was before Bradley Zimmer really took off, but there were people saying that he might be even better than Bradley Zimmer and um so so yeah what's going on with greg, greg allen he's been out for a little while yeah well greg allen started the season he he was okay nothing great but something seemed off about him he wasn't stealing a lot of bases he wasn't getting on base at the same rate leading off for akron and i think and then he went on the disabled list with a broken uh, hamate bone and that's not something that you just like get hit in the hand and your hamate bone breaks hamate bones are actually caused from kind of the swinging motion like with the, the the bottom of the bat, just like repeatedly uh, going against your uh, wrist, so it's it's more of a gradual type of injury that just gets caused over time. So that's something that could have been affecting him all season, and then it finally just uh, got to a breaking point, and they put him on the disabled list. Um, but he's been gone. He missed all of May, all of June, and then just two days ago, he finally played for the AZL Indians in a rehab stand. He went 0 for 2 as the DH, um, and then they pulled him halfway through the game. And then yesterday he went 0 for 2 with a sacrifice fly, I think, and he actually played center field. And then they pulled him uh, after like two or three at-bats. So he's not striking out, which is good. He just he just hitting the ball at people, I guess. But um, it's good to see him back in action. He probably will be back with Akron within the next week if things go well. That's, that's pretty good. It, it, that's a scary injury, the handmade bone, because mm-hmm. like I saw when he, when he I, first I've injured it. Been, oh, yeah. Go ahead. I've never even heard of people having that injury, although I think I did hear about, I think it was Giancarlo Stanton or something yep. that had it uh, like a year or two ago. But that was when I heard Greg Allen got it. Like It just seemed like. Now everybody's getting a Longo was coming <laughs> off of one. Somebody else was coming off of one. So uh, it's a scary injury because it's just when you get it, you're basically out for two months. Yeah, and it no comes matter. out of nowhere because somebody mm-hmm. they tweeted a video of when he had the injury. You could see him gripping yeah. the bat, and he just like let yeah. go of it, and he was shaking his hand. It's it's so weird. It's not like you see it happen. It just happens no. over time, like you said. Yeah, it's kind of like a stress fracture type of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, Brian, uh, you kind of teased it a little bit. So let's preview uh, most of the people are probably going to watch this at the top of this post, which is the player of the week. So so who do you got? I know you're going to break some of your own rules again this week with pitchers. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, know, so I, I normally there? yeah, I normally like to only post pitchers if they have two good starts in a week, but that also limits them. I mean, basically, the, the pitcher had to have a start Friday or Saturday and then have to start again Wednesday and Thursday the next week uh, for them to get two starts and they both have to be good. But this past week, we had three pitchers that only had one start, but they were all amazing. Uh, Sean Morimando threw his third complete game shutout out of his last four starts, which is insane. It's insane. He hasn't he hadn't thrown a complete game shutout his entire career, and now he's thrown three in four out of four starts. So, I mean, 
That is that is incredible. To and two me. of those so were complete be game him. shutouts. No, they, all three of them were. Oh, they all three were. I thought two of them. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I noticed that you you mentioned he just threw a second straight complete game. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, he had three complete game <laughs> no, shutouts. No, it gets better. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh. So more Mando, absolutely. And somebody even mentioned that should more Mando be a uh, consideration for the next spot start. Absolutely. If he's pitching like this, if he's hitting the zone, if he's striking people out, he's not walking people, get him uh, in for a spot start if they need to rest somebody or there's a double header or something. So uh, he absolutely deserves it with the way he's been pitching. He's been by far the best pitcher at triple A since uh, Clevenger left. Yeah. If there's, then, no, if there's nobody sticking out right now, I mean, they, they sort of mm-hmm. use merit once in a while. I think they had, Somebody else was they, up. They it called Klepko up, but he didn't play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's nobody sticking out, so you might as well just use the guy who's insane right now and let him have a spot start. And then, obviously, Tristan McKenzie. I mean, it's not a shocker that he ever gets nominated at any point because he's always capable of a start like this. But this past week, he went seven innings, three hits, no walks, no runs, 11 strikeouts. So <laughs> he is just so incredible. It is only a matter of time before they promote him to double A. I think they just want him to keep facing a couple of the same lineups over and over again just to get that familiarity. But, I mean, it's time. He's he's not getting challenged enough. Uh, I mean, he's he's too good for Lynchburg. <laughs> he, was, he was winning by the strikeout total in the Carolina League by, like, 16, and then he struck out another 11 batters. I mean, That's insane. I know your prediction before was after the All Star break because that's still where it is. Or is it? We're not after the All Star break. In uh, they right just had their All Star break. Okay, so uh, you probably think soon, a then, right? And Triple A have not. So maybe they'll wait till the Double A All Star break because that's when they'll start promoting some Double A players and stuff too. Um, and then they could do a chain reaction type thing. But that's exciting. I, I read an that article on TV more when he gets the Double A, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yes, I want to see him pitch as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and. I read an article that the Indians might be waiting to promote him till August, but if that's the case, that's four weeks away. I can I can wait. I'm patient, man. <laughs> and then uh, Aaron Savalli, another pitcher, had uh, also with Lynchburg went uh, seven innings, no runs, four hits, no walks, eight strikeouts. So not quite as good as McKenzie's, but it's still extremely good. So uh, Savalli has been. Uh, phenomenal this year as well. He was a third round pick last year for the Indians and him and uh, Shane Bieber have been kind of revelations uh, as advanced college arms. I think on the season combined, uh, Savali and Bieber have walked like eight or or nine or 10 batters combined for the whole season. Is that a thing they've always been known for? Is that just kind of a thing that started happening? Well, Bieber was definitely known for control. Uh, Savali was kind of a a reliever that they converted to a starter and he has just been unbelievable. I mean, he's, he's only walked like two or three more than, than Bieber. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's very consistent. You see, he start has a, a game where he started and he's usually struck out at least one an inning and he's walked zero. So, I mean, if you can be good and not quite as good as Tristan McKenzie, you're still doing okay. I think. Yes. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's a tough bar to set when you're comparing yourself to Tristan. I'm out. So, anybody other players before we move on to questions? Yeah, Bobby Bradley, I think, uh, has a good chance to be nominated. I don't know if he'll quite get it. Uh, It depends. uh, He went 9 for 24 this week with three doubles, a triple, a home run. The double, triple, and home run came all in the same game. Uh, 
I mean, he had just a monster game earlier this week where he missed the cycle by a single. Yeah, who else uh, does that but Bobby Bradley? Misses the cycle <laughs> by a single. <laughs> I think Willie Castro actually did it this week or a week ago too. Oh, so they've had they've had back to back weeks where they missed a cycle by a single. But uh, yeah, there's there's some really good talented young players in this system. Uh, Eric Haas had a really good week. He had a triple, two home runs. Um, and then obviously Tapia had three home runs. So, I mean, he's, he's in them, the mix there. Jonathan Mendoza just got promoted to double a, he's actually one of the highest batting averages in the entire Indian system, really under the radar. But this past week he went uh, 12 for 24, batted 500, um, had a triple. He doesn't really hit a lot of extra base hits or power, but, uh, just a good contact guy. And he's been getting on base like crazy. So. Maybe uh, maybe a guy to keep an eye on. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Um, so every Thursday, uh, we'll always ask you guys for prospect questions. The keyword in there is prospect questions. <laughs> I think some people see it and like questions. They got to answer right away. Uh, but no, questions about prospects. We'll answer them with Brian. Uh, if Why you're are asking, the Indians winning at home? Exactly. I don't know which prospect that's yeah. about exactly. But maybe maybe it's Zimmer. It's Zimmer's fault. That's a prospect question technically still. <laughs> We're going to start with my favorite one of the week, Brian. Uh, okay, let's at, do it. Vincent Novella one. He's he he's always interacting on Twitter. Seems like a great guy. I don't know if he listens to the podcast or not, but he wants to know who is Brian Hemminger and when will we see him play. <laughs> I think he <laughs> might have thought that Brian is a prospect because the way I phrased yeah, the question, he was so, going to uh, be on the show. Yeah. <laughs> so Brian, famous Indians athlete, <laughs> when will we see you playing in the system? <laughs> in in his defense, I was a very good little league player. Okay, <laughs> I batted over six hundred one season. My oh, mom God. was the stat keeper. So she can back that up. Yeah, I, I don't know if that helps year. or hurts you, though. If my mom was a stat keeper. I mean, she could cook the no, books No, no, she on was that. a very good stat keeper. Okay. okay. Um, and also, uh, last year in my adult softball league, I batted over 500, despite being uh, very slow. Uh, <laughs> I was able to just find all the gaps. Would so. you say Roberto Perez-esque on the bases? Probably, although I, I did even hit a triple at one point. So oh wow! There you go. I don't think Perez is hitting any triples. I, why do I see? I think I think. Well, I'm thinking of him rounding bases and being super surprised, but I think that was a double one time that he hit, and it was so surprising that he made it all the way there. But, but if you hit a triple, well, there you go. You could probably. The most surprising thing Perez little. ever did was that first to second uh, tag up in the, the playoff game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so that's about the extent of my baseball ability. So I'm sorry. Uh, I probably will not be playing for the Cleveland Indians anytime soon. Darn. Uh, So at the real Mason five or real at the real Mason S. He wants to know um, how's the glove arm base running for Willie Castro, who you just mentioned, just missed the cycle last week. Mm -hmm. Looks like the kid can be a good trade chip in the future. More value than Chang, who we also just discussed a little bit ago. So let us know what you think of Willie Castro. And I like that second part of the question. More valuable than Chang. They're both shortstops. So. What do you well, see their futures as? What makes Chang and Castro both so valuable is how young they are for their levels. Uh, Chang, I think, is 21 in double-A. Castro is 20 in high-A. Uh, Castro's having a breakout season offensively. He's batting about almost 300. Um, he's hitting a lot of doubles. He's stealing a lot of bases. Defensively, he makes great plays, but he's got like 20 errors as well. Um, that's always been an issue with him. He... He, I don't know exactly whether he's rushing or maybe it's just uh, he's thinking too much, but he's, he's always been a guy that's had a ton of errors during the season. But I have noticed that his errors have gone down since he switched to full season. So 
Uh, I don't know if he's doing better defensively this year than last year, but I know that it's never a shock when I see the the defensive plays of the game and that there's an E next to, to Willie Castro's name. Um, but, I mean, this is definitely he, – he, he, Castro doesn't have as much power as Chang, but he does have a little bit better contact ability, and he steals more bases. So they're, they're kind of different players in terms of what they're capable of, but what they both have going for them is they're both very young for their level, and they're still playing better than – uh, the average player at that level. I feel like Chang has higher overall value, right? He's more respected as with, a legit uh, prospect. Yeah, with with the power, probably mm-hmm. Chang has has more uh, because who who doesn't want a shortstop that can blast twenty home or at this rate he's probably going to hit he's on pace to hit thirty home runs this year. So who wouldn't want a shortstop that can blast thirty home runs? So Mason Shattuck in the the comments he says first of all love Willie Castro. Willie Castro is his first comment. Um, can't argue with that one. And he also says, we, we almost forgot to mention this, is McKenzie going to pitch in the Futures game? Because he and Mejia both got in. Um, yes. So do you think McKenzie's going to pitch? I guess it all I would, I would assume he will. Um, they they announced the Futures game rosters, and this year uh, Francisco Mejia is on the world team because he was an international prospect, and uh, Tristan McKenzie is going to be on uh, Team America as a pitcher. And that's extremely impressive that he was able to make the American roster because, I mean, that includes so many great pitchers. And the fact that they – and there's there's more American pitchers than there are international pitchers that, that really have those elite standout uh, prospect status. And the fact that McKenzie made it is uh, really, really good for him. So, uh, But, yeah, I, I expect he'll at least get to pitch an inning. It wouldn't – I mean, that shouldn't do too much damage to him. And I would love to see him against some of uh, the best uh, international prospects. Like, I mean, how, how great would it be to see McKenzie pitch against Mejia and like Yoan <laughs> Mankata and stuff? So, oh, Yoan Mankata, I want to see that in the future too, when they're mm-hmm. both in the majors and Mankata's trying could to hit sooner, anything that McKenzie could be sooner done. rather than later. <laughs> uh, so, at Real Mason S, I think this is the third question of the show, which is fine. He's got a lot of great questions. So. Oh yeah, the more the merrier. Exactly. He wants to know Oscar Gonzalez in Mahoning Valley started well early. Should be. Or should he garner more serious attention? I believe Gonzalez is one that you've hyped up in the past. And now yes. that he's getting into the U.S.-based levels of the system, maybe he is going to start getting more attention. So you think he deserves, he deserves more? It. Yeah. He definitely deserves it. Last year, he batted over 300 in the Arizona Rookie League. He uh, won the MVP of the entire Arizona Rookie League, uh, led the team in home runs, RBIs, you name it. Uh, he was just an absolute beast. And then this year, he's batting like in the three-hole, playing either left or right field, depending on uh, if Will Benson's in the same game as him. And he's been hitting the cover off the ball. Uh, He's hit uh, at least one or two home runs, and uh, he's batting over 300. He's still striking out at a decent clip, but, I mean, he's he's still making great contact and hitting with power, and he's showcasing he has the, the best arm of any position player in the Indian system. Uh, that's not a catcher, which is really good too. So uh, this is definitely somebody that's going to be rising. Uh, he's right now, I think, according to MLB Pipeline, the, the 24th ranked prospect in the Indian system, and I expect he will be going up. Uh, so our next one, this this one way or another, <laughs> this comes up every single week. Uh, but Rich Ford, thank you for the question. Rich Ford, that was on Facebook. Are the Indians concerned about Brady Aiken's slow start at Lake County? Brian? <laughs> Uh, I don't know if they're, they're concerned. I mean, usually when somebody has Tommy John surgery, the last thing to come back is 
the the command, but I mean Brady's command is really taking a long time. I mean, you look at somebody like Zach Placek and Grant Hawken, who were uh, getting to pitch this year in Mahoning Valley, coming off of Tommy John surgery, and they've been great. I mean, granted they're a level below Aiken, but they've been uh, staying in the zone, striking out people, keeping runners off a of base. Uh, Brady, on the other hand, so far this year in 78 innings, he's walked 58 batters and only struck out 52. Uh, and batters are hitting 275 against him. He has a whip of 1.73. So you would think with those numbers, his ERA would be like seven. But somehow he's his ERA is 4.4, <laughs> um, which is like I, I still I need to watch some of these games to see like the Houdini act he pulls when people get on base. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if he's just getting guys to hit into a lot of double plays, if maybe he's just getting lucky because there's a lot of unearned runs. Um, well, that actually probably is true because uh, there have been 50 runs scored on him, 39 earned. So yeah, There was I, that well, one game where it was like eight there was, unearned There runs. was one game <laughs> where he gave up 10 runs, but only two were earned. Yeah. <laughs> so this, that, that's mostly from one game. So I'll, yeah. But for the most part, you know, somehow he's been – able to kind of dance around a lot of the trouble. I mean, he hasn't really had a great start all season. Um, I mean, he had one where he went like, let's see, six innings, gave up two hits, one earned run. Then he walked four and didn't strike out a batter. Like, he's so confusing because, I mean, this is guy that was a former number one pick overall, and he just still hasn't been able to find the command. I mean, he has – not had a game this year where he walked less than two batters in the whole season. Yeah, his most recent, yeah, his most recent two starts, he walked uh, five and six. So, like, I don't know what exactly is going on there. I'd have to talk with uh, the coaches to see what they think about his command and and where he's going with it. But uh, that's still something that he really has to to work around. But maybe it's kind of working for him, being effectively wild. Like that's been what's happening with Clevenger and he's getting away with it too. But uh, you'd have to think that all those walks will come back to bite you eventually. So it's just something we just have to play the, the wait and see game with Aiken. Um, he has had uh, more recently, he has had more starts where he's been able to go six innings. I think he went six innings or longer in four of his last uh, seven starts, which is good. So he's starting to get stretched out a little bit more, but again, command, command, command. Like, uh, I really want to see some games where he's walking. I, I want to see a game where he doesn't walk a batter. Yeah, that'd be it good. It hasn't start. happened yet, but <laughs> yeah. uh, so we got a long ways to go with Aiken. I think it'll be a, a long road. It's it's not going to be just immediate success like we've seen with uh, some of these guys. Yeah. And my personal favorite weird Brady Aiken game is his second start of the season. Four point two innings, seven walks, one strikeout. Yep, only two runs. <laughs> yeah, allowed two runs. I don't. What the heck? Four hits, seven walks. So eleven base runners. And I mean, five home runs total in the season. So he's not giving up a ton of those. I don't. Mm -hmm. He just gives up a lot of like singles, I guess. Singles and walks. Pitcher. Some scout right now in the lower levels of the Indians is just so confused watching him every day, <laughs> trying to figure <laughs> out what the heck he's going on. Okay, so our last question of the week, Brian. Um, we're gonna. I like this one. It's kind of. It's something I always notice that like prospects sort of disappear, but Mark Shuffleton, he wants to know, have any prospects been cut in the, from the minors since the draft added new people? 
Okay. Which I guess is just well, a fact of life. When new players come in, some get cut. Well, the way it works is when they draft players, um, they fill out the lower levels. So, like, it is extremely rare that they would draft a guy and immediately put him into single-A Lake County that was full season that had already been going. So what they do is they they basically begin the season with, like, half a team at the short-A Mahoning Valley, half a team at uh, the AZL, and then they have the draft, and then a lot of the college players that were further developed go straight to Mahoning Valley, and then all the high school players go to the AZL, and then some of the college players will go to the AZL too. So it's very rare that they would just cut somebody straight out, but there are also playing time issues because there's, like, in some of the teams, there's, like, nine infielders all on the same spot or six outfielders. Uh, they have, I think, a little bit uh, bigger rosters at those levels, so that there's guys that only play, like, once or twice a week. Um, uh so you don't really see a lot of cuts, but sometimes there's guys that get frustrated with how things are going. Um, I know earlier this year, Michael uh, Litkevich was, uh, I think he was injured as a reliever in Lake County, and he had the choice to either have Tommy John surgery or retire, and he retired. Um, Steve Delabar was a player that the Indians had that was off of a steroid suspension and he finally got activated and then they cut him uh this week and then also this week salento sales just a, a burner of an outfielder but just didn't really have a very good hit tool he tried to make things work in lake county couldn't stick they sent him back to mahoning valley and then he was having to compete every day with uh the likes of will benson and oscar gonzalez and he retired like today i think so it's very rare that they do the cuts at this point in the year. If they make cuts, they're usually in the spring. Like er, this past spring, they cut uh, several of the lower draft picks or people that maybe just weren't good enough to advance to Lake County, and they were going to need to make room. So that's when they make the cuts. It's usually in the spring when they get some more time to evaluate these guys and how they performed in the offseason. Okay. Well, Brian, uh, thanks for having a great show this week. Uh, this was our first one in a while, but we're going to be yeah. going weekly again, I think. Um, don't worry, I'm not relying on just my stupid schedule anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> I want to do more of these. I think people like them. I like doing them. I know you do because you've got so much of this prospect stuff in your head, and it's nice to have some way to get it out. And usually I just bring questions to you because I always <laughs> have so much of that comes up. There's so much in the minor leagues to follow, so it's nice to have something like this every week to sort of recap everything that's going on. Yeah, and there's there's always something to talk about, exactly. especially when you got seven teams. <laughs> yeah, that kind of helps, especially the second half of the season. I think eight teams with the, the DSO Indians slash Brewers. Yeah, is that a normal thing, by the way? No, <laughs> that's the first teams. time they've okay. ever done that. So that's I like funny. it though. Yeah, they have they had too many players to all be on the one DSL team, so they're like, eh, let's just have half the half. Guess and that half kind and of answers your cut question. There's too many players. Ah, we'll just make another team. Screw it. Yep. We'll combine with the Brewer. Yeah, in the DSL, there's like the the Rangers two, the 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 Astros orange. It's the Wild uh, West over there. Basically. Yeah, it's yeah they they're allowed <laughs> to have as many teams as they want, I guess. <laughs> All right, well, Brian, uh, thank you again. Thank you everyone listening now, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one. <laughs>